Hello everyone and welcome back to That's Lame, the equestrian podcast for horse girls from horse girls. Welcome back everyone. Hello everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Like last week, we're going to be diving straight on into the dilemmas. So Evie? Dilemma number one. Hi girls, I have a horse that's really spooky out hacking and it makes me feel very, very nervous. In your opinion, do you think that every horse should slash could be a happy hacker? If so, do you have any advice on how to make my horse less spooky? This is quite a tricky one because I feel like it's quite controversial because there are a lot of people out there who think every horse should be a happy hacker. Yeah, and I remember once I had an eventer say to me that any horse can be a happy hacker. You just need to keep on hacking them out yeah and I can see where they're coming from but there's a lot of different factors that go into that and again I think my personal opinion is that that's quite an old-fashioned mindset to have it's absolutely fine for an eventer to say that because they're not sitting on march bar event horses but going back to the dilemma i would say don't feel like embarrassed or shamed or anything that you don't feel comfortable hacking your horse because i think it's such a common thing and i think people are afraid to say it because you get this like oh like why aren't you hacking like you should be hacking you should be doing x y and z when that rider said that to me at the time i sort of thought there was a lot of truth in it but since having more experience with different types of horses i think I've come to almost change my opinion a little bit in that a mare that I had before Terry this was when I was eventing actually she was not great out hacking like she was she wouldn't hurt you she wouldn't like try and deck you or anything like that but she was incredibly incredibly spooky and she would be the type that would sort of be like jogging or you know when they spook and they crouch really low and it would be like that every four strides like she was just very stressy and just not a good hack and I hacked her every I think Sunday, at least once a week on my own. And I did that the whole time I had her, but I wouldn't necessarily say that she actually improved. Like there were some days that she'd be better and you'd be like, oh, that was a good hack. But you know, then next week you'd take her out and it would be like straight back to square one with how she was before. And that was with me hacking her every single week. Now I took her out anyway, because I think it is good variety for them. And I was confident enough to do that. I trusted her and you know, I took that risk, but I don't think that someone should feel pressured, especially if they're not confident enough to hack if their horse isn't safe because also you've got a responsibility on the road I mean I don't know this person's situation like can you go off road is it your own land or are you actually on main roads because you do have to bear that in mind as well that you don't want to be dangerous to other people well I know you might think that oh I'll be fine but will other road users be fine yeah you know possibly not if your horse is likely to jump on top of a car bonnet is that actually safe to take that horse out yeah you have to take those factors in and as well i think geography plays such a huge part in it in what are the roads like around you can you get to out like off-road hacking can you safely go down the road are the roads near you all fast roads and main roads in which case it would be very dangerous and i think as well people don't take that into consideration or maybe you do have loads of beautiful fields that you can hack around but you can only do it in the summer months yeah because with this mare that i was just saying about where i lived at the time was really quiet and also we were quite fortunate in that we had a lot of bridle paths so I could go off-road straight away and she was much better off-road so that's sort of what I did but if you don't have those sort of facilities or those surroundings then it's exceptionally difficult I would say. Another thing I would say that people need do need to take into consideration is like the horse's own individual like medical needs because for example Apollo 
was very pigeon-toed, so his front hooves turned in on themselves. And where we live, we have a very bad camper on our roads, which is where the roads are higher in the middle and then really like bend down on either side. And we couldn't take Apollo hacking because if we did, we put on a huge amount of stress up the sides of his front legs from where they were having to deal with the camper of the road and we took like everything into consideration and taking him for a hack down the road and he didn't really enjoy it it wasn't enough of a plus point to risk him going lame not being able to do his job not being able to enjoy his life and it's like you can't just up sticks and move somewhere just to take the horse hacking you kind of have to be like okay yes I want to take this horse hacking but unfortunately I'm not able to do it yeah and I think if your horse does enjoy it then what is the point because the whole reasoning behind you must hack your horse is more for their welfare in terms of their well-being making sure that they're having variety and enjoyment in their work but if your horse isn't enjoying hacking then it's very easy I think just to find variety elsewhere you know lunge them over a jump or do whatever I think there are other options that you can do or even box your horse somewhere and maybe take them around like a gallop track or something like an arena surface one you know there are there are a lot of options or water treadmill you know the list goes on it doesn't have to be hacking to have that variety yeah I mean like I would say with the horses I have now I'm kind of more strict with myself and with them that I'm like I want you to enjoy hacking I think as well something important to bear in mind is age of the horse in terms of being able to improve them and change them in that for instance if you've just bought a 15 year old and it you know they're absolutely terrible to hack the chances are even if you hack the horse every week the improvement might be quite slim because they're of that age now because that mare in particular I think we bought her when she was 12 so that's you know 12 years of her life unaccounted for wasn't going to change that much whereas if you've got a four-year-old it's very typical for them to be a bit jumpy a bit spooky out hacking because they're experiencing things for the first time so in that way if you've got a young horse then it is your responsibility to shape them to be a better hacker in my opinion and I think maybe if we talk through some of the strategies of how to improve that yeah so if you have exactly what you just said young horse that you want the horse to enjoy the hacking I would say definitely go out with another horse that is safe and easy one tip I did hear once is that if you're taking a horse for its first hack first ever hack like just post breaking you want to take it on a round route and you want to trot the entire way so the horse is always thinking forward but again that is a very brave thing to do and the guy said to take the horse on their own and I was like you would literally have to be so brave to do that to take a young horse that's just been broken and trot it around the roads all on its own but he said that it literally made for the best hacking horses ever so I mean if you're brave enough and you've got the facilities to do that then great and maybe it does work miracles and you suddenly will have a happy hack but like you just said if you've got a 15 year old horse it's not going to have the same effect on them another tip is you can always walk them out in hand yeah I think walking out in hand is pretty underrated actually I think a lot of people don't do it but they don't even think about doing it because it is a bit strange like it's not a typical thing that you see people doing I would say there are different safety aspects involved with that but there are also like different benefits like like we were talking about in the lunging in the last one you know if your horse is going to be silly and gets away from you at least you haven't fallen off it before it gets away from you yeah and also just make sure that you know you're not just taking them out with a head collar and a slack lead rope yeah maybe put a cavison on them you know put make sure tack on make sure they've got a bit more control make yeah. sure you've got high vis on 
make sure they've got appropriate hivers on as well because for drivers it's a bit strange you know seeing they see a rider on the ground leading a horse and they think oh my god has she fallen off yeah so yeah there are different i would also features. say though that is leading from the front long reining behind oh yeah i'm not a fan of long reining. no i don't i don't get it at all it just it frightens me way I can, too much i, I can think see the benefits so, yeah i can see the, the idea yeah. of just being behind a horse's hind legs, I just don't understand. No, why especially out that. on the roads, things like that. I just, I think there's an art to long reining, and unless you really know how to do it well, I don't think it should be attempted at all. It's something that you need to be taught how to do, not just oh, I'm just gonna willy nilly go and like start long reining this horse down the road. Yeah, because it ain't gonna end well. I think as well, like another really simple one is if you don't have a horse on your yard that you can take as a nanny horse, or if you don't have another horse, it's just you. You can always just take someone on the ground on foot. I mean that. Yeah. can make a huge difference and that can make a huge difference as well in terms of other road users if you've got someone on the ground with you for some reason drivers seem to respect yeah, it a bit do. more they do because really they're really strange like, oh, that's odd yeah they they're wondering always oh, the horse got an issue again so they sort of slow down and actually listen a bit more Even so yeah actually, i definitely do um, that going back to the trotting the young horses out before in the past years ago like i've trotted a horse out and someone's been on a bike in front of me yeah so there's someone on the road who can actually go in front and I'm like, right, we're following that bike over there. And as well, that can help them stop and like not be too frightened of bikes because for a lot of horses, like ones that come over from Spain and Portugal, they're not that used to seeing bikes just wandering around. Mm. So I think a lot of the points we've made have been quite valid in that you shouldn't feel pressured to hack your horse if you're not confident to do so. Some horses can improve out hacking depending on age and different factors like that. But what I would say is that obviously this depends on how spooky your horse is out hacking. But if you're nervous, I don't necessarily think that if you're wanting your horse to improve out hacking, that you're the person to do that. I think maybe what might be a good decision for you and specifically relating to this dilemma is to perhaps get a different rider who you trust and respect that's a little bit more confident to take your horse out hacking for you especially if they're a younger horse because you don't want to exacerbate the issue and ultimately if you're petrified you're going to be hanging on for dear life really holding the horse in and making them even more frightened whereas they they need someone to be like you're fine like what's the problem there's nothing to be bothered about or even if they spook just to not react at all and just be like you're fine and then give them the pat and just carry on and as well the whole point of hacking like we were said is to be enjoyable and if you yourself don't enjoy it then it's pointless yeah because i know people who they hack their horses because they feel like they should but they wake up the morning of hacking their horses and they're like riddled with anxiety and are absolutely Mm -hmm. dreading it and you just sort of think that's not a life for you and also that's not a good life for your horse either because they're going to feed off that negative energy whereas yeah i think it might be a sensible step to get someone else to see if they can improve the horse out hacking to which then you might be able to get on and be like oh yeah i feel a lot more confident now because my horse is a bit more confident but i just don't think you should expect your horse to hold your hand i don't think that's fair no also i would say winter hacking and summer hacking are two entirely different things yeah they are you know i know that we all try and keep to like a strict schedule with our horses and i know here we try and hack them at least twice a week but like in the winter months sometimes it's just not feasible it would be too dangerous for everyone involved yeah especially if the roads are slippy and things like that it's just not worth it at all no i mean literally yesterday i took simba out hacking and it was a bit of a mission because it was like evie needed to be in front samantha needed to be behind because normally Simba is a really good hack because we've made him 
a good hack but you know it, it was like the coldest day of the year it was he he's not had enough work because we're in such a cold spell that we can't get in the arena and all things like that there are a lot of factors like negatively going against him I felt confident enough to take him out and because I had the precautions in place where I had you in front with a very good horse and Samantha behind with a very good horse I felt like I wouldn't be dangerous to other road users which we weren't was it that much of an enjoyable experience I don't think so but Again, it, it's like you just need to kind of work it out for yourself, not let other people tell you what to do in like, oh, you have to go hacking, you have to do this, this, this. Yeah, and I think as well, obviously at the moment we don't have a choice because our arenas are frozen. So we're having to basically hack all the time at the moment. But in saying that also, we do this professionally. So we've got fit competition horses that are in full-time work six days a week. We often have to incorporate hacking in with them to bring in that variety but if you're an amateur like and you're just doing it for a hobby and just for fun if you're not getting enjoyment hacking and your horse isn't either then there's really no point no. in my opinion no and especially in the winter we have like half of the hacking routes that we have in the summer because we can't go across open fields we can't go through the woods we can't do all of these different rides which again the horses find a bit boring i know a lot of people are like hacking so important so important and then their hack is the exact same route every single day and it's like that's no different and exciting to the horses whatsoever i think that the horses get enjoyment out of going on a different route each time which again like in the winter months is not feasible and you know then if you if you yourself are too nervous to go on all of these different routes then no it's probably not feasible for you yeah and I think if if the person in this dilemma is really desperate to improve their horse out hacking maybe just bench it for the time being until spring and summer and then start from there where it's just like we were saying a bit safer and a bit more relaxed and the horses aren't as fresh there's a young horse that I ride Frodo he's naturally quite a spooky flighty horse he wasn't the best hack to start with but to be honest I would never say he's been a bad hack because he was four like everything everything he was experiencing he was experiencing for the first time so he just needed someone to be like no you're fine and he used to be quite backward he did not want to go in front and now because I've hacked him so regularly from a young age he's happy to go out in front you know isn't nowhere near as spooky anymore but then in saying that would I take him out hacking tomorrow morning in like minus one probably not not that I'm not going to be able to do that when he's older but for the time being it's just using your common sense and thinking I've really improved this horse but that weakness is still a little bit there so is it a good idea for me to take him out hacking when it might set him back to square one no so you're best actually just thinking nah, maybe not this week yeah and then you know go from there so I just think it's just a bit of common sense a lot of the time yeah okay so main points is don't feel bullied or pressured into going hacking if it's not something that you or your horse enjoys like you just said Evs a lot of common sense is needed in these situations and if it's something that you don't feel that you yourself are confident or comfortable enough to do then get someone else in to do it Okay, so as we've just mentioned, we are currently in such a cold spell here in the UK. It's mid-January and we're really trying to stay motivated, but it is a little bit hard. So we thought we'd just tell you guys what we're doing with our horses whilst we're pretty much unable to train and ride them. So I've got a show coming up on the final week of January with Louis. So I'm doing the PSG area festivals on him. At the moment, he's just in the field. (laughs) 
because our arenas are so frozen that we can't really ride at the moment. He's so, having a pre-competition holiday. Yeah, he's having like a week off in the field, not doing anything. But that's fine because he knows all the stuff, so he'll be absolutely fine. The five-year-old that I ride, Frodo, who's owned by Joanna's sister, he's also in the field at the moment. I do think that's so... I mean, it's like it takes quite a lot as a professional rider where your profession relies on these horses to be like, have a week off. It's quite, it's hard, isn't it? And then you sometimes you can fall into like the, no, like we need to keep going, we need to keep going, we need to keep going. Yeah, it is hard because also, especially when you compare the horse that you're riding to other horses of that age. So for instance, yeah. there are plenty of five-year-olds riding six that are like out competing really consistently and getting really mega scores and at quite like a high level for their age. And you're, yeah. and you're sat there like, oh God, like I'm not really doing that. Mine's with, in the field. Mine's in the field. <laughs> I just do the basics and hack. But the thing is, he's such a big horse and he still looks four. He's just going to be a late bloomer. That's the way he is. Like, not all of them are like that, but he's like that. So you have to sort of go at his pace. So I just thought, yeah, yeah, turn him away. I think it takes quite a lot of confidence to not compare your horse to others and not try and, like, make your horse what you see at shows or online. Yeah, and I'm glad that I took him to his first show in December, actually, because he was really good. You know, he got quite a nice score for where he's at at the moment. So it was quite a good note to finish on and also right now I don't feel pressured or anything because it's yeah. like I haven't got anything urgently coming up with him and I've just taken him to a show so it's a bit more lax. that took the pressure off yeah I did that too with Sirocco so we mentioned in the last episode that I was going to be doing Sirocco's first Grand Prix which I did last week and it went really well for him like I'm really really pleased with him I was slightly disappointed in the score But that's like the thing with dressages. You can be delighted with your horse and disappointed in your score. It was only his first one. I know we're not going to like, you know, contend to Paris or anything silly like that. But yeah, we did that. And that was so fun. But again, it made me go like, okay, like I don't need to stress for like the next week where we're going to be frozen because it's fine. We've kind of started the year on a really good foot. Yeah, I I was really, really pleased with him. I mean, he's literally the sweetest horse in the world. He will just never say no like he's so genuine he went in he did everything I asked to the best of his ability at where he is at the moment in his in his training so he's just so sweet and it's just so lovely to take out a horse that's just so easy peasy so my horse Terry has been a bit mixed this January we started off really well and the training's been really really good and he feels amazing but now the weather's just gotten really cold and haven't really been able to ride him at all he's quite particular about arena surfaces and if it's hard he just like does not want to go and also I don't want to like risk him on the hard surface either So I've actually been walking him out a lot, doing some stuff on the ground, um, hand walking him just to get him out of the stable. But yeah, it's just really difficult at the moment because with the arenas being frozen, it makes it so difficult to actually keep them stimulated and keep them... Because their minds are so like wired when they're competition horses. They still need work. But when you don't have an arena to do it in, it's really difficult to try and think of ways to keep them ticking over. So I've had to be a bit creative, I would say. Yeah. The beginning of this year, 
you know, a lot of walking out in hand. I took him down Watery Lane, which is basically this lane that's near the yard, which is like a stream, essentially. And we've said in the past, haven't we, that it's like a water treadmill. Yeah, it's literally so good. So like I've taken him down there. I've done lots of groundwork. So yeah, trying to like spare him because he's like my top. I think it's just being like adaptable, isn't it? Yeah, because it's like hard when you're a rider sometimes because you think, oh, I'm not being able to work him this week or for a couple of weeks because of the weather oh no he's gonna forget everything or oh no we're not making progress we're now behind but actually they don't forget things no it's just you want to keep their fitness up yeah it's basically just about maintaining what you've got and obviously yeah. I, I want to carry on climbing the levels with Terry but he's got quite a good foundation now like he's at small tour so it's like that he's got the changes and all of that so yeah it's sort of trying to deal with my own mindset of doesn't matter that we're not out there training yeah you know it's hard though it is like yeah and I had a sit on him on Sunday and I just stretched him basically but when I did trot him he did feel really good so that was nice in that I was like oh yeah actually you feel really good in your body because sometimes as well when they have a break they come back like even better because they're wanting it's like they've recharged their batteries and they're like let's go I'm really interested in doing it so Hopefully next week the weather will break a little bit and I'll be able to carry on yeah. with him. But I'm not really riding very much at the moment at all. No, no. My horses are like either on holiday because of the weather or just like being walked around. I know, because the arenas are frozen, like the most that we can kind of do is hack. Yeah, hacking so, some of the liveries ones, that's fun. Yeah, when we're hacking, we're hacking in like muck boots, yeah, trackies, every single layer under the sun. Yesterday we went out hacking and literally Simba was like a fire-breathing dragon. And like again, like I should have been training him right him in the school but the best that we could do was trot up a hill on the road I do find it it feels very frustrating sometimes when you like see things online and you're like I know I'm going to be competing against this person at this competition and they're still able to train their yeah. horse they're still you know they've got an indoor arena or they haven't they're not dealing with like the same outside influences that you are that is preventing you from doing it and it can feel very frustrating because at the end of the day when we compete we are competing against them so it feels like they're already winning yeah I would say it it is a disadvantage for us like we because of where we live and like where we're situated we do lose technically a lot of weeks of training out of the year relative to someone that's got like a indoor heated like lights or something ridiculous yeah so it does it does make a huge difference but you've just got to work with what you've got and be grateful for what you have because you know at least we have an arena like there are other people I'm sure that are out competing that don't even have an arena so you you just have to make peace with what you've got and think okay so I can't train the horses now but when I can I'm going to really utilize what I've got yeah and just like rework what is a negative as being sort of a positive yeah so like at the moment it's very much oh I'm basically just doing a lot of in hand work or just like walking or things like that but in saying that you could argue that that's a lot of strength and conditioning for the horse yeah which in the long term working on those basics might then actually feed into your later training but yeah so that's what we're doing with the horses essentially not a lot and just hoping to stay on in our trackies and mucker boots and preparing for regionals in the only ways we can which is hand walking and trotting up the hill so (laughs) okay guys thank you so much for listening to this episode of that's lame we're going slightly delusional with the cold weather but you know we're going to keep turning up and doing this podcast for you so hope you enjoyed and we will see you next time love you bye. bye
Thank you.